0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Late Night Crime Cast. I'm your host, Robin Steffens. You may or may not know me from my YouTube channel in which I have a crime series based around kidnappings, murders, and the criminals themselves. This show will be very similar to that. So if you're like me and you love true crime, especially if you get tangled in those cases that just keep you up at night, you're going to love this podcast. Every week on Wednesday, I'm going to post a new true crime story. I will cover cases that are local, cases that got a lot of media attention, and everything in between. So today, on the fourth episode of Late Night Crimecast, we will be talking about the mysterious kidnapping of Jessica Lynn Haringa. This case was one of the first true crime cases that really sparked my interest in following true crime stories. To be honest, this has always stuck to me and has always been in my memory, just because of the circumstance of it all. My last three podcasts have all been very similar in that they focus on rare cases of missing people. For instance, in the first episode, I covered A Girl Gone in 90 Seconds, my second episode, I talked of two girls who were kidnapped and taken in the midst of a possible bad drug deal and a house fire. And in the third episode, we talked about a man who possibly had his organs harvested. All of these cases are unusual and unsolved in one way or another. They all warrant tons and tons of theories. But in this case, the outcome is rather obvious, and I think that's what makes it worse. It's that realization that you could be living your life, doing something so normal, something so simple as going to work. Even if it's in an extremely public place, something terrible still can happen to you. What a pleasant thought, right? Well, you're welcome. Anyway, let's just get into this true crime case. As I mentioned before, we will be talking about the disappearance and kidnapping of Jessica Lynn Haringa. At the time of her disappearance, Jessica was 25 years old. She was a Caucasian female with medium-length blonde hair and blue eyes. She stood at 5 feet 1 inches and weighed around 105 pounds. Jessica had various tattoos over her body. She had a sun and moon on her right calf, Sleeping Z's on her left foot kind of like the ones you would see in a cartoon she had a star on her back and Then she also had a musical note and a peace sign on the left side of her ankle She was a hard-working single mother with a three-year-old son She hoped to one day go to school and get a degree in accounting But at the time she just worked as a clerk at an Exxon Mobil gas station She lived in Norton Shores, Michigan It could best be described as a suburban community with over 24,000 residents in a 24-mile radius. Even though it's not a small town or a big city, it has a crime rate that is higher than 90% of the state's cities and towns of all sizes. So maybe it isn't all too crazy what happened to Jessica. So let's get into the story. On April 25th, 2013, A female customer who frequented the gas station in which Jessica worked saw that she was working late at night and commented to her that she should not be there all alone at such a late hour and that her boyfriend should at least accompany her. After that, she said, a man who had been listening in on their conversation interjected and stated that she's got customers looking out for her too. Now, that can really be taken any kind of way, even positively, but The female customer stated that at that comment, Jessica, and I'm going to quote her directly, sort of shook her head and started shivering, like a chill went up her spine or something. The female customer also stated that Jessica wasn't her usual happy self and that it appeared that something was wrong. For that reason, the female customer ended up parking outside of the gas station until it closed. She did observe the man leave the gas station that night. Now there's two things I really want to take note of. Clearly with what the female customer was implying, there was some sort of feeling of foreboding. First, with the chill that went up Jessica's spine at the moment that the male customer spoke to her. Then again, when the female customer, who clearly probably knew Jessica well, felt so compelled to stay there that night just to make sure that Jessica was okay and nothing would happen to her. It really makes me wonder that if the female customer being there that night had only postponed what happened to her Jessica. Now, the next day, on April 26, 2013, Jessica went into work for what would be the last time for another late-night shift. Her last known sale was at 10.54 p.m. An Exxon manager and her husband drove by the station around 11 p.m., and they observed an unknown man in the back of the gas station repeatedly opening and closing his silver minivan's rear hatch. They then saw him drive away. At that time, they didn't think anything of it. and It wasn't until around 11.07 p.m. that a customer came into the gas station and discovered the store was empty. That customer immediately called 911. The police arrived to the gas station around 11.15pm. When they arrived, they found Jessica's cigarettes, lighter, and other belongings right next to the cash register. The most worrying thing was that there was no money taken out of the cash register and also none of her belongings, including her purse with money in it, was taken. For that reason, they quickly ruled out a robbery and decided it was likely a kidnapping. The police immediately began their investigation. Jessica's car was still there, along with her jacket and, of course, her other belongings. There was a small amount of blood found outside of the back door of the gas station, along with a laser sight part to a gun. The blood was later found out to be Jessica's. The police quickly got the K-9 unit out there, but they were unable to pick up a scent. It wasn't until the manager of the gas station, who, of course, was notified about what happened, was able to talk to the police and tell them about the suspicious man that she and her husband had seen near the back of the gas station, that they were able to get a description. They described the man as a Caucasian male in his 30s, approximately six feet tall with a medium to heavy build and browned or sandy blonde hair. They described his car, a silver minivan, to the police. Luckily for them, the car was actually captured on the surveillance camera of three different businesses around 11.04 pm. It was speeding away from the gas station. It was identified as likely being a silver 2005 Chrysler Town & Country. That was the last real solid clue that they had. Over the next three years, there was at least 12,000 man hours used by law enforcement towards a vast investigation that included over 1,400 tips received, 33 search warrants executed, 20 residential searches by consent, as well as 12 ground and two underwater searches. It wasn't until April of 2016 that law enforcement finally got their big break. So in April of 2016, a man named Jeffrey Willis was arrested for attempting to abduct a 16-year-old girl. Then, in May of 2016, he was also charged with a 2014 murder of a woman named Rebecca Bletch. This was after Ballistic's evidence connected him to the crime. Authorities at the time identified him as a person of interest in Jessica's disappearance as well. This was due to him owning a silver minivan that was similar to the one believed to have been driven by her abductor. In his van were several incriminating items. This includes rope, leather restraints, chains with handcuffs, insulin, and syringes. He also very closely matched the witness's description of the suspect. Finally, in September of 2016, he was charged with her kidnapping and murder. The investigators actually ended up finding a lot of evidence against him. Based on credit card receipts, investigators discovered that he had actually visited the gas station at least 15 times prior to Jessica's abduction. Phone records also placed him there just hours before the abduction. Even though he told police that he was at home at the time, phone records placed him near his grandfather's house. And where does his grandfather live? He lives very close to the gas station not only that but to add up to the evidence stacked against him following the abduction he did not show up for work for several days now as I had mentioned before there was a spot of blood found behind the store and also there was that laser sight for a gun well get this the laser sight that they had found matched a gun found in Willis's van It happened to be missing the same piece and the original owner identified the laser sight as belonging to the gun. The gun was also determined to be a murder weapon in Rebecca's case. Now this is the part of the case that gets really creepy and it's like something you would see on TV creepy, not just a normal creepy. So investigators actually took his computer into evidence. And they found a folder labeled VIX on Willis's computer, V-I-C-S. I can only assume that that is short for victims. In it, there were subfolders about Rebecca and Jessica. He also changed his passwords to J4L27H13. This includes Jessica's initials and the day after her disappearance in number form. They also found downloaded necrophilia and murder porn videos. Now, the final nail in the coffin. Willis' cousin confessed to police that he had seen Jessica's body at their grandfather's house. He also claimed that he had helped Willis dispose of it. Police searched for her body near his home after a tip was called in on June 17, of 2016, but they found nothing. Police had previously searched for her body in and around a cabin in Mansalona, and this was a place that was owned by a friend of Willis's. They had searched around there, but came up empty. But a local resident says that soon after Jessica's disappearance, Willis was at the Mancelona property walking out of the woods with a shovel. Willis's cousin later pleaded no contest to helping dispose of her body. In May of 2018, Willis went on trial for Jessica's kidnapping and murder. He was found guilty on May 16th. He was given another mandatory life sentence. Sadly, Jessica's body has never been found. Now, my biggest issue with this entire case was the lack of cameras. If it was 1999, I would have been more understanding, but this crime took place in 2013. There was absolutely no reason for the gas station to not have any cameras. If there was a camera, this could have helped the police much more. They could have even possibly have found Jessica and found her abductor prior to the murder and her body being buried somewhere. But luckily, on December 9th of 2013, a Michigan House of Representatives bill was announced titled the Jessica Haringa Act, or alternatively, Jessica's Law. This bill was requested by Haringa's parents. The bill requires gas stations and convenience stores that are open between the hours of 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. to install and maintain a security camera system or to have at least two employees on shift during those hours. As of now, the bill has not been passed by the Michigan legislature. Small business owners are concerned about the costs associated with installing surveillance cameras or the hiring of additional staff. However, Jessica's mom is still pushing for it. She has even traveled to the Michigan State Capitol and Lansing to speak with the state lawmakers concerning Jessica's law. She made her point by saying, if you have a daughter, a sister, thank God that they are still with you. It's unfortunate that the legislature hasn't been passed But I think that it's great that it's still in the works and that there's a possibility of it becoming something in the future because, honestly, I feel like regardless of what a small business wants or feels, the safety of their workers should be of the utmost priority. In cases like this where there's no cameras, This just is a huge liability for them. I would wonder why they wouldn't want this legislature to go through. But despite this, despite it not going through, and despite having some pushback, the owner of the gas station that Jessica worked at, which did not have a surveillance camera system at the time of her disappearance, has since had one installed. Okay guys, I think that's going to be it for today's crime cast. Thank you so much for listening and tune in again next Wednesday for more.